Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as Bellatar champion Alima Leigh McFarland joins us for a conversation, including her journey from beginning MMA training a little late at 23 to becoming the accidental champion, relationship challenges, Tales of Meeting Savannah, Energy Vortexes, Sundance Ceremonies, and Standing in a Cage Wondering, How Did I Get Here? Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast, episode 169. As always, my pal, Daniel Ivicolelli, across from me. Good day. Hello, sir. Good day to you, my sweet gentleman. It's interview time. It is. Uh, episode 169 features Elimalei McFarlane, Bellator champion at flyweight in the women's division, but as we'll make clear in the interview, she's so much more than MMA. Even if you don't give a crap about MMA, this is really will touch on MMA initially because you have to, because that's what she does. But really, it's about a lot more than that. She's just a fascinating human being in outside of sports. If she could have never had an athletic career, and it really wouldn't matter in a way. Well, born in Honolulu, she's got to be a great person anyway. Like that's a good start. Honoluluans, if that's a word. Shall we give the, our quick thanks to the folks who keep us in business? Keep us in business is a good way to put it, especially when we're talking about <laughs> blue chew, blue chew. You make you make coo when you crunch a blue chew. And I'm telling you, it's for sure. Documented. I like it. Yes, indeed. We have been, uh, these sweet folks have been sponsoring us for the whole year. The promo code for our listener is the word DRUNK, which seems rather appropriate, D-R-U-N-K, which incidentally, I should mention, Bluetooth helps when uh, you have a little too much to drink, but you still would like to get your horizontal activities. Oh. Somehow Bluetooth seems to deliver anyway, when alcohol is taking a bit away from your sexual prowess. It's a, so, it's, a, it's a gift that just keeps on giving. Yes. So I just noticed right now, this, the name is quite fitting. Right now, we got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code DRUNK. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code DRUNK, to try it for free. Bluechew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So yeah, check them out. We have, uh, Rich and I have been singing their praises for a while. That's true. So... Check them out. I wonder who's next. We also want to say thank you to Onnit.com, who has been with us, is our longest lasting sponsor. So, infinite thanks to Onnit for this. 
Um, you guys know the drill right now, right now, you know, their, their products are constantly changing. You know, there are things that sometimes we recommend that disappear because that's part of the cycle. Like for example, we are a huge fan of the steel bells that oh, we pass still, still not available. They are not there. Uh, however, they are there in massive amounts on all the supplements, alpha brain, which as you can see is right there on the table waiting for my lunchtime to uh get it going to all sort of other products so please check them out it's on it onnit.com forward slash taoist t-a-o-i-s-t check them out of course there are uh, discounts on the great t-shirts at shoredesigntshirts.com thank you to those folks and a huge thank you rich is actually going home now and he's gonna be cooking something glorious Thanks to the sweet folks at grasslandbeef.com. It's bison burger this time, which if you've never tried that, you've got to give it a try. Better for you than skinless chicken because bisons are walking grazers. And, um, you know, these are on, I want to say they're organic ranches. Is that correct? Some are. I think good chunk of them are. I need to check I, all of them. But each product says its history about where it comes from. Yeah, uh, they're definitely grass-fed. Yeah, there's no exactly. hormones. I know that for sure. I know there's yeah. some there's some like regulations that get completely organic. They may not fully be a part yeah, of it. Yeah, some are. Some are but yeah, we did those last steaks a few days ago, and oh, my God. Yeah, so these folks are awesome. Last couple of shout-outs. Uh, shout-outs to Snow Roast Coffee. Uh, there's the code TAU and the number 18 for a discount at snowroast.com. So if you guys drink coffee, check them out. Nevertapgear.com. In addition to their knee braces and glorious rush guard, they have something cool if you train jiu-jitsu, a jiu-jitsu journal that allows you to keep track of your progress, keep track of things you are working on, injuries, results, all... It's a great, great approach. I'm going to try to chat about it maybe on the next few episodes. It's a great approach to training. I dig it a bunch. And also I want to send a shout out to the sweet folks at cbdadapt.com who sent me some of their CBD products to test out. They are uh, third-party lab tested. They have full-spectrum CBD uh, products available money back guarantee all the good stuff there so check them out and of course last but not least if you shop on amazon please use our amazon link there we have it kiddos all right uh here we go interview time uh keep your guard up because she's quick Okay, let's get ready to roll. Eli Malay, very welcome. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> Should be fun. The, um, well, we're going to both need to wake up. I think like you had a long night with Bellator last night. Bellator plus alcoholic. Tender. Plus yes. Savannah. Yes, we had a very long night. Right. <laughs> and uh, man, last night is uh, I was at this barbecue. And uh, they had poke, which was awesome. Ooh, yep. But they also had, um, it was darkest, like you could not see a damn thing, right? There was no lights and anything. So at one point I grabbed this skewer and I started munching on it. And I realized it was not cooked yet. 
So oh. I was like, I had this giant thing of raw chicken in my face. And I'm like, so ever since then, I've been in full hypochondria of like, oh my God, I have salmonella. I'm going to die within the next six minutes. So if you see me collapsing on the table in the okay. next five minutes, we know why. Or, but, okay, but you haven't had the shits yet, right? No, okay. it's been all good. So I think, I think okay. I'm good. <laughs> but, you know, as a general rule, chicken sushi is not a good idea. Yes, it's, yes. I've never tried that before. I don't think I want to either. It wasn't even part of a plan. It was they went to cook it and I grabbed from the wrong batch. But so we shall see how that works. Um, For people, I mean, I'm sure most people listening right now know you already. But for people who don't know you, Ilimalei, Bellator Flyway champion. Um, When was your debut? How many years ago? Uh, With Bellator, it was 2015. And it wasn't long before that you had your first pro match. Yeah, actually, no, my pro debut was also that same year. Okay, so you were like, Bellator was like, what, your second or third fight? fight. Okay, Mm -hmm. so, right. Oh, yeah, and the famous first fight, of course. Yes. Which, by the way, just resurfaced again yesterday. I mean, it always resurfaces every few months or so. But yeah, I just started uh, getting tagged on, on somebody's page recently. And uh, yeah, I, I do feed the trolls on that one. Well, but that's, I mean, to me, that's like, that's how it is. If you look at boxing, for example, mm-hmm. the whole sport is built on that, right? Where there are professional jobbers who show up to essentially help somebody else build because they are not, they are not going to make a career out of it in terms of they are going anywhere. They are there to sort of be the stepping stones for mm-hmm. somebody to, mm-hmm. and in boxing, I mean, you did one fight like that. Yes. Boxing, you build like 15 and door records before you fight yeah. anybody good. So yeah. it's kind of like... And I try to explain to people there are different levels to yeah. quote-unquote fighters. Of you course. Know? So it's like you have your bucket list fighter who mm-hmm. just wants to... Yeah, like... I've done it. Just check. check. Okay. Yeah. And then you have like the bar, bar fighters where like they get into bar brawls mm-hmm. and they think they can fight. Of course. And so yeah. And then, and then you have the actual serious ones who do train. Yeah. So I'm like soccer mom. She was, uh, I would think that she was a bar fighter. Right. You know, this chick liked to fight, even though she had three fights before me, which were all losses, I think, or maybe it was two fights, but, um, she lost all of them. She's one of those fighters that's like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to train. I'm not going to waste my time training. But I will step in the cage and fight. I have to say the <laughs> the bit of exposure I had to the entry-level MMA in the California scene is highly entertaining. The oh. kind of stories you hear are just like, is they, this even real? It's, it's pretty funny. It's honestly my favorite. Like everybody. So after that video, uh, video of me and the soccer mom fight, by the way, she wasn't a soccer mom. She right, mom. of course. But um, when that fight went viral, so the commission, California State mm-hmm. Commission, they did an investigation of Explode Fight Series, which mm-hmm. is the promotion. Got them shut down. Um, and so, yeah, there was a lot of haters on that promotion. But I'm like, dude, that was honestly my favorite promotion I've ever fought for. <laughs> like, more than Bellator. I loved XFS. It was so gnarly. And of course. Like, it was the type where we had a rule with our team that you weren't allowed to go to the bathroom by yourself. Right. The bathroom is like porta potties <clears throat> off in the dark. But of course. You weren't allowed to go by yourself in case you were to get shanked or something. That's, <laughs> yep. That's the, where did I go? Oh, I went to California Cage Wars yeah, same, recently where Juliana yeah. did. Fucking hilarious. I mean, it's like the the changing room is like about 20 steps away from the cage and yeah. anybody can walk in. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's it wild. It was awesome. Like, those yeah. are my favorite nights just going and everything is just like like 
guaranteed there was going to be a fight in the audience. Sure, and, of course, because everybody's yeah. drunk or, yeah. And we would just sit outside in our cars and drink, right. and then, like, security would come and be like, oh, oh, we got to hide it. But they don't give a shit. It's tribal <laughs> no. security. Totally, yeah. Yeah, so fighting on the res was definitely my favorite. Yeah, I have to say, highly entertaining, mm-hmm. definitely. And then, I mean, the thing with you about your MMA is that you started... I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about it because you are at the peak of the sport and that yet you started relatively late. Like, mm-hmm. how old were you when you started training? Um, it was after college, so like 23. I mean, think about it. That's yeah. nuts. That's yeah. insane. Like, there's nowhere in the world can you start a 23-year-old in a sport in which yeah. you're going to excel and be at the peak of the game. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, people forget that. I haven't been doing it for a long time. No. Um, like I went pro in 2015 and prior to that I was only training. Um, I did amateur for a year. My amateur career only, was only a year long. And prior to that I was only training for like half a year. Right. So um, yeah, that's why I'm always like, I don't know anything about MMA. I just started this. I don't I only started watching it a couple of years ago. Right. You know? uh, but yeah, so my story is pretty crazy. But at the same time, I've always been um, a lifelong athlete. Right. And that's why I'm actually kind of grateful that I did take that break in college. So when I finished playing sports in high school mm-hmm. competitively, I was like, all right, I'm done playing sports. I'm just going to go and like get a big girl job, whatever. Yeah. And, um, but I'm actually really grateful that I took that break because what you see a lot of times are, um, especially kids who are playing sports their whole life, they get burnt out. Of course. Really easily. And so, and I learned too that women's biological primes, uh, really for like sports and everything, mm-hmm. is pretty much twenty eight, like mid mid twenties to to early thirties mm-hmm. around there, yeah. right? So I'm like, wow, I actually started fighting right in my biological mm-hmm. prime. So again, super grateful because I'm seeing all these other people who have fought straight out of high school and their bodies are falling apart. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy that I took that little break. Well, and, and I think that's also worth considering when talking about your MMA. You weren't just an athlete in general. You were also, you did wrestling a bunch. Which yes. that goes a long way in yes. terms of, because it's not like you stepped in like, oh, I started training yeah. and six months yeah. later I was fighting. It's, you were in combat sports already for a while, just mm-hmm. one particular aspect of the game. The um, most important. Exactly. <laughs> the most important of all of it. And then you could build from there. Exactly. So that, that of course, changed the perspective a little bit, but it's still nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still kind of wild. But the thing that to me is the funniest is that from watching your interviews, hearing your chats, seeing your social media, as much as obviously MMA is a big deal, I mean, that's what everybody know you for and everything. I get the feeling that you could be doing 10,000 other things, never get into MMA, and really nothing about you would be any different. No. That in some ways, like, <laughs> MMA is like, sure, that's fun, but it's not who you are. It's yeah. just one aspect of who you are and not necessarily the most important one. Yes. Which, when you think about it, how many athletes can you say that about? You know, most often an athlete is because the dedication required to get to that place is so intense that, as you say, they started doing it probably when they were six with their parents, say, you're going to be an NBA player kind of thing. And that's all they know. Mm-hmm. You know, they've done that six hours a day, every day of their life, and there's not much else. So yes. they may be sweet people. They may be even smart people. They may be whatever. But usually their world is just very cleanly 
there's a very clear boundary to the world and it's mm-hmm. everything is related to the profession mm-hmm. in your case that's not the feeling I get at all where I feel that like your life is like kind of maze, like an accident along the way where it's like yeah sure great I'll rise to the peak of the sport but I also have a few other yeah. hundred thousand things I'd like to do yeah. yeah and it, it's funny because we joke about that all the time that I'm the accidental champ I, right. I really did start fighting on accident right um, so yeah but I totally agree like I it took me so long and I still don't even really identify as a fighter or mm-hmm. a professional athlete. Um, like when people ask me what I do, I was like, I'm an athlete. And they're like, cool. Like, that's what you, I was like, yeah. They're like, what sport? You know? And so I, I always feel lame for some reason. Why? I don't know. Do Cause it's just, I don't know. I always thought that MMA was a fad. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a really long time when I first joined the gym I didn't want to hang out with anybody from the gym. I didn't want to go to fights. I didn't even post a picture for the longest time of like me training just because I didn't want to be one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, fight. Like, oh, I fight. Of course. And so it took me a really long time to finally. Oh, there's a squirrel. Sorry. Yep. (laughs) Oh, they are the enemies of Azog the Defiler as soon as he sees them. Her. He's gonna go crazy. Too. Yeah, <laughs> nine pounds of fury unleashed all over the house as Azog sees the squirrel and yell at them, tell yeah. them that they are assholes. You'll and... see that people from Hawaii are like, oh, squirrel, because we don't have it. We have I mongoose, though. So, but um, I had the same. No, I had the same thing growing up in Italy. Especially, I grew up in a big city, so I never saw anything. So when I saw, I think I came to LA once. I saw a squirrel running around. I was like. Oh, a wild animal! Look at that! I was so excited. Um, and mongoose are like they actually brought mongoose in. Um, I, don't, I think plural is mongoose, but um, they look like rats with thick ass long tails. And uh, we actually brought them in because there was a rat for a rat infestation, right. or was it snakes? Snakes sounds snakes, like something yeah, because like they are the snake killers. Yeah, yeah. and then um, but then everything got fucked up because they were like nocturnal i don't know something weird happened so now there's like an infestation oh yeah 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 i read that that they were like eating the wrong stuff because they weren't meeting with the snakes and of course yeah as usual yeah but um yeah i guess back to the whole accidental fighting thing but uh yeah it's like i've never really identified with it and because it was never my intention to be a fighter and i've always wanted to be a teacher Mm -hmm. or like you know work for a nonprofit. So when fighting came along, I was, I, for some reason, I was like really resistant. And no, and weird. I get that because, especially as we said, because there's so much more to you than just the fighting. But mm-hmm. at the same time, why do you think you were in the kind of like, I'm doing it, but I don't really want to talk about it. I'm doing it, but no, I don't really want to associate too much yeah, with it. Because I didn't want to be like one of those affliction douchebags. Oh, I, like, that's what it know? is. Right, right, right. Yeah, but um, I've, I've kind of came around. Even when I turned pro, uh-huh. I still was like, uh, I don't know, I just... just Keep it yeah, do this on the for a couple of fights and then see what happens. So, right. Um, yeah, I was never fully committed. And even now I'm like, yeah, yeah, I fight, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's That's an advantage, fun. actually, it because I don't put so much pressure mm-hmm. on myself. Of course. Yeah, so I, I like that, that like I do have options, you mm-hmm. know, and I always say like oh, i'll probably retire after this next fight well, like but i i always joke about it but right. I, again like it takes the pressure off totally. of everything that i don't have all of my eggs in one basket yeah because if your whole life is built on one thing 
then it's like when the moment comes, you're like, oh shit, what if it doesn't work out the way I mm-hmm. want to? Then you psych yourself out, then you freak out, then it's panic time. Mm-hmm. And that makes such a difference because, you know, that's one of the things that like with Saf, for example, that always puzzled me about her was, uh, you know, most people training the gym at a certain level and you need to detract like 10 to 20% from what they're going to be in the cage because they are a little more nervous. There's the pressure, there's that. Some people who do really bad, you have to detract a lot from their skill level. People who are really good can stay on the same level. And then there are random freaks who just actually performs better in the cage than they do in the gym. And it's like that mindset makes such a difference, you know, Mm -hmm. that ability to just be there, relax with an attitude that's like, Hey, I'm doing my thing. It works, yeah. it works. It doesn't, it doesn't. I just wandered in here. And <laughs> like, how did I end up in this cage? I always think that. But yeah. I was like, so what are you thinking about when you're in the cage? I was like, how the fuck I got there? I'm what am like, I doing? <laughs> <laughs> what <happened>? yeah. <laughs> That's funny. What would you want to do? Like the day when you quit MMA, what do you think? Where do you want to go next? What's my ideal position? Okay, so I mean, it could... It could be several things, honestly. I figured. Like, if I were to meet the love of my life, I would totally want to be a mom mm-hmm. and just like, yeah, I stay at home mom if that allowed me to. Sure. Um, or like a business mom, whatever. And, um, but I also I actually like really enjoy doing the commentary and being on camera. Mm-hmm. So something along those lines um, within the MMA world. Yep. I definitely want to stay in like the combat sports mm-hmm. arena. Either that. Or uh, own my own foundation, or like work for a nonprofit, right? Um, something like that. Yeah, I, so. I, I can't choose one. I'm of like, course, I, maybe I could do all of them. Right. Even own my own gym. I don't know. I I really do see myself being like multifaceted and, and like doing different things. I think that makes life more fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if you're stuck, I don't care how good that one thing is. If that's all you do day in and day out, you burn out. Mm-hmm. After a while, it's like, Jesus, can we do something? I mean, I love this thing, but can we talk about something else? Can we do it? It's like, yeah. it gets old quick. Yeah, and that's why um, <laughs> everyone, I guess, is surprised when they hear that. I break it down like this. I'm like, hey, so I basically only fight twice a year. Mm-hmm. And in preparation for that fight, you need about three months approximately for your camp. Yeah. So I'm like, so really, I'm only working, if you call, call it work, I'm only working six months out of the year. Mm-hmm. So what am I doing for the other six months? I'm sure as hell not in the gym. Everybody knows that I'm not in the gym. That's why I get so big in the off season. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm like off doing something completely different, you know? And like, yeah, I'll pop in every once in a while or somebody has a camp, then I'll try to help. Right. But but I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this shit every day. And, uh, yeah, I see fighters who would, great, that works for them. You know, they're right. in the gym every single day, staying ready year-round, which is great. But mm-hmm. I'm totally not going to do that. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I don't think I'm a lifelong martial artist. Or maybe I am. I'm just yeah, but in a different a way. time martial artist. <laughs> yeah. Half a year. Yeah. I think that, again, that keeps you sane. Because otherwise, if that becomes your identity, that it's boring, ultimately. Yeah. It just takes the fun out of life. I mean, there are people, like I love to nerd out about martial arts, but there are people who can only talk about martial arts. After five minutes, I'm like, okay, that's great and all, <laughs> but can we also talk about something else at some point? Because mm-hmm. come on, man, life mm-hmm. is life. Is There's a lot more out there mm-hmm. than what's happened, than what happens on the mat. And you are a globetrotter. You have been like, every time you're not in camp, you're traveling all mm-hmm. over the place. What are some of your most fun travel? 
the ones stories. that you've been around or oh. whatever, oh. like places or stories, oh whatever you're, stories. I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, so my first, I guess, taste of, of travel, like real travel as an adult, um, I went to Thailand and this is right when I had turned pro. So mm-hmm. it was like after my, my first pro fight, really, I went to Thailand and, uh, that was amazing. That was when I first started getting the travel itch and then after that it just freaking every I went everywhere so Thailand was like the first trip that was very very memorable um but I loved going to Peru Mm -hmm. I'm going to Cusco Machu Picchu I'm like if everybody if anyone asked me like where do we need to go I'm like you need to go to Machu Picchu yes um that was incredible New Zealand was awesome uh and Jamaica Mm, that's right but I've been to a over 20 countries and those are the ones that i automatically immediately to. think mm-hmm. that that's cool and recently you were out uh well it sounds less Ooh, glamorous I... to pe- yeah for the international stuff but like it sounds less glamorous to people because it's within us and not exactly one of the most famous states but you oh. were out to south dakota for south ceremonies dakota. Yes. at the sundance yes and that was beautiful so great so i told you that i had a story yeah, about exactly. that please do yes. tell um <laughs> So if any listeners are unfamiliar with this, uh, well, I'm sure you've talked about Sundance sure. before. But yeah. might as well, if you want to give a quick... Yes. So uh, the Sundance ceremony is... Um, I feel like I'm totally going to mess this up. You should <laughs> probably do it. Okay, I'll, I'll give the quick version. So planes, uh, characteristic of the culture of the planes. So Lakota, Crow, Cheyenne, some of the stripes. Unlike most of the other ceremonies like sweats or vision quest or things like this, this is a community-based ceremony. It's not like, oh, you go out on a vision quest or you have a sweat, which you can even do as a one person. Sundance is a community thing. It's like the whole community gathers. is done once a year in summer. The way the Lakota do it is a four-day thing. You start the first day, well, the day before, actually, cutting down the tree and replanting it in the center of the Sundance ground that has been prepared out, you know, kind of level out the grass a little so that people can uh, will be able to dance for the following four days. Um, one of the things, there are like 10,000 meanings about the Sundance, depending on who you ask, anything from kind of giving energy to the universe to go through one more cycle to about tribal welfare to you name it, right? And so far, so good. People are like, okay, you know, people dance around the tree, blah, blah, blah. That's great and all. You know, you, the drum is amazing. You know, the drums start pounding when the sun comes up, goes on all day. When you're at the Sundance after a while, I remember driving one day mm-hmm. after... And I had the foot on gas pedal and I kept going, ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was still going with the rhythm of the Did dress. You dance <laughs> no, no, I was, uh, I was there okay. on the outside. And, um, and the, thing that's, the thing that freaks out, out that really like outsiders get freaked out if they are not familiar with it, is that, of course, at some point during the ceremony, a person is going to go up to the tree. They sit down. The people running the ceremony are going to lift some skin off their chest, pierce them put a wooden skewer through that, do it on the other side of the chest, and then the rope is going to get tied to the tree. And the person will dance attached to the tree, and it could be for a few minutes, or they could stay there the whole four days, until eventually they pull back and break loose. Which, obviously, to anybody who doesn't grow up into that culture, is that, why? Why are you doing that to yourself? Which, I mean, if you think about it, the whole concept of sacrifice is not a... 
in every religion around the world yeah. it's like everybody this is just a particularly intense way to go about it but the whole idea that you give us something you value to give strength to your prayers you find it all over the world mm -hmm. this is definitely you give up something you value in a very real earthy sense for sure so that's mm -hmm. uh, was outlawed for a long time from like late 1880s through the probably 1950s 1960s so, but now, yeah, you go through Lakota reservations, you find multiple sun dances going on every summer and so on. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an experience. Let's yes. put it that way. So do tell about your experience. Okay. So it was actually several weeks of this crazy spiritual journey that I went on, mm -hmm. which first started in Texas, actually, of all places. So, all right. I was seeing a therapist and she was actually a, like a shamanic therapist mm -hmm. and a hypnotherapy and everything. And so I was doing a lot of work with her, just trying to heal from my past relationships. And uh, we'll get into that later. Sure. But uh, so there was just um, like in our final session, I was telling her, like, I think she's like, okay, moving forward in your journey, like, what do you feel like you need to work on? Like, so. I, and I basically was saying that I need to learn how to balance the um, the feminine and masculine energies mm -hmm. within me. And that's how I will, will be able to find true peace. And so that was kind of the start of it. And I also, um, crazily, like I had chosen a Shiva Lingam uh, crystal uh, as one of the objects that I was taking with me. And I had no idea what it was either. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any idea, but I was just like, oh, this seems like an object I should take. And she's like, yeah, so that actually is supposed to be to help balance the... So it, it was really cool how that worked out. So anyway, moving forward from that, um, I was doing a podcast with some of the ring girls from Bellator. Mm -hmm. And this was in Vegas. And I thought it was going to be another MMA podcast or fighting podcast, but it turned out to be a really awesome, um, like higher self consciousness. We talked a lot about planet. Awesome. Yeah, it was really cool because these are ring girls, right. um, uh, which you wouldn't really yeah the think. stereotype. So, yeah, is stereotype, not but that, they're totally but they are, not. Of course. Yeah, they're amazing. Right. And so we started talking. We started talking about plant medicine, and um, one of the girls were like, "Oh yeah, I'm actually going to do my um, my." 20th ceremony uh, with so-and-so and I was like oh that's really cool uh, where's that going to be at she's like oh it's going to be out in, in Texas so she told me the location and I was like wait when is that she's like oh it's going to be next week I'm like dude I actually have a ticket out there that week it was gonna, it was actually for Liz Carmouche's fight mm -hmm. her original fight against Roxanne Metaferi but it got cancelled because yeah. she got the call to fight Valentina so I just had this ticket that yeah. I was like, oh, I'll just eat it because I don't want to go to Texas. So this happened. And she's like, it turned out that it was the exact same dates so I was going to be out there. And I was like, okay, this is actually really cool because this is a woman who's yeah. inviting me to this ceremony that's with a female plant. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was like, this is exactly what I was telling my therapist about that I needed to balance my energies more and I'm very masculine already so I'm like okay this is good this is supposed to happen so I went out to Texas and um did the ayahuasca ceremony and it was my first it was my first time doing ayahuasca and yeah so I, I had a lot of great takeaways from that and then immediately from Texas 
I went straight up to Mauna Kea, which if any listeners know what's going on up on Mauna Kea, um, it's pretty intense. We're, it's basically, we're in the midst of the biggest Hawaiian uprising in modern day history. Mm -hmm. And we are protecting, it's just like Standing Rock, we're Mm -hmm. protecting Pachamama, we're protecting our sacred mountain, Mauna Kea, from further desecration uh, from big private companies who would like to build the world's largest telescope Mm -hmm. on top of our most sacred mountain. So we are in the middle of what everyone calls a protest, but we are actually protecting, we're not protesting. Mm -hmm. So I went straight up to Mauna Kea, which in itself is like a whole nother crazy spiritual experience. And straight from Mauna Kea, I went to South Dakota Mm -hmm. for the Sundance ceremony. And I actually uh, am very, very close with the Kumeyaay from the Sequan Band. So the Kumeyaay are the indigenous um, tribes to like uh, Southern California or San Diego mm-hmm. area. And they were taught how to run sweat ceremonies um, by their Hunka family from South Dakota. And so I partook in or I, I partake in ceremony with them weekly and so they were the ones that invited me to come to send dance and just to support right so i'm like of course i would love to this is a huge honor and much like i'm sure everyone else who isn't familiar with the ceremony i was freaking out when i saw the first uh piercings and everything did you know what was gonna happen or was i mean they told me about it but seeing it was different different like of course oh my gosh so so also, on, on the way out to uh, the reservation, they were like, oh, do you have vivid dreams? I'm like, no, I'm, I, I caught the uh, red eyes. I'm like, oh, I'm probably going to pass out tonight. Not really. They're like, okay, well, you might have some, some weird dreams out here. I was like, okay, that's great. Um, so, of course, that very first night, I have a weird dream. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, make sure to tell my Auntie Julie. Make sure to tell her when you wake up. But again, I totally forget about it. And so I'm watching Sundance. And I'm asking questions uh, to them, you know, okay, what are they doing here? Mm -hmm. What does that symbolize? And they kept saying the word heoka. Mm -hmm. And so finally I was like, okay, what's a heoka? And they were explaining, okay, so they're, you know, they kind of have special powers. They're from the thunder people or the thunder beings. And, um, you know, they have powers like they can reach down into a pot of boiling water and pull out, pull out the puppy head. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, Auntie Julie, that's the dream I had last night. She's like, what? It's like, yeah, I had a dream that we were in the tent or we were in like a teepee of some sort and you were preparing a pot. I thought it was like a pot of soup sure. or stew and, you know, you were stirring the pot, preparing it. And when I came over to it and looked inside, I saw a golden puppy just laying no. in there and they're like, what? You had a Heyoka dream. Right? Yeah. And they're like. You, you've never heard about Hale right. before? I'm like, no, this is my first time. And so they got chicken skin. And yeah. they were like, okay, you need to tell your dream to yeah, Papa yeah. MJ, you know. Um, and so I guess it was a big deal. Yeah. And then that was when I decided that I was going to fast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the, right. that's also another... another um, thing that they do besides the piercing and dancing they also are fasting oh yeah of course because otherwise it would be too easy right yeah yes. so it's... and 
So I was like, okay, I, I just feel like I need to fast mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, and so I started fasting. I was still drinking water, though. The yeah. dancers were not allowed to drink water, but I was... Oh, it was one of the... Yes. Yeah, because that's the rules are different from They're Sundance all, yes. to Sundance. Yeah. They were going hard, man. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah, so I, I was still drinking water, but I wasn't eating anything. And then on the final day, um, I had gone to a sweat and... When I came back to the camp site, then my auntie Julie was like, by the way, Luma, do you want to dance tomorrow? I'm like, what? And she's like, Papa um, Papa had a dream that you, or he had a vision of you dancing. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I don't have a choice. I'm pretty sure yeah, I, need yeah, to, right. I need to dance. <laughs> so they ended up, uh, so they allowed me to dance the mm-hmm. next day, which was just incredible. I bet. And I... I, I guess I didn't know how big of a deal it was mm-hmm. until um, others from our from Sequan heard about it. They're just like, oh, my God. Of course. You know? And so it was just an amazing, amazing experience. And and I gave some flesh as well. I didn't pierce, though. But, but you did the flesh offering. Yeah, right. I did flesh offerings. Which, and... just FYI, again, for people who are not familiar, typically is like from shoulders, right? That's what you did? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you leave some tiny bit of skin from the shoulders about like, match said cut it get wrapped in red cloth they usually get tied to the tree as an offering yes and uh yeah that's that's intense in itself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um it kind of looks like i have staff now but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just the way that that it uh the pattern, the pattern. yeah, yeah people are like oh my gosh what happened yeah. um so yeah that was my sundance story and they asked they're like would you like to dance like the whole right the whole four days next year and i'm like yes and they're like okay so you have to um be sober for an entire year i was like ah time out yes, let's uh, talk about that yeah, yeah yeah i uh so i have a beer sponsor i don't think that's possible yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because i was like kind of I was playfully arguing with them right. and, I was, and I was trying to convince them like, but I don't have a problem. I'm not an actor. <laughs> it's like, okay, we can come back to this in a few years. Yes, I was like, it's when like, I'm ready, yeah, I exactly. will do it. Yeah, whole year is intense. Yeah. But yeah, that's, uh, that's part of the gig, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that's intense. Well, somehow I'm not surprised about your Heyoka dream because it kind of fits with what we were saying earlier, how you are, you know, people... Usually people are clearly identifiable in a certain way, by usually by what they do. But there's usually, you know, people have a clear path, a clear identity, a clear something. That's what they stick to. That's the normal way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you clearly are not subject to the normal way of doing things. Yeah. You, are, <laughs> you are carving your own weird path through MMA, through 10,000 other things. And stepping outside of the ordinary rules and doing things that to everybody else may look odd, weird, and bizarre. That's precisely what the Heyoka does, right? It's like you are doing things that completely run counter to the social norms, creating Mm -hmm. an effect in people who go like, what the hell was that? How did... And it's... uh, So it seems quite fitting, actually. Yeah, it was was still crazy. That's probably going to be like one of my favorite stories. Of course. So I promised that we would trade the Sunland story. So I'll tell you, uh, first time, I think I went all in all maybe two, seven times to various Sundances. So the first time was uh, Cheyenne River Reservation, northern part of South Dakota. And, you know, they invited us and stuff, and it was cool. But still, it was absolute middle of nowhere, right? Mm -hmm. There's 
you don't yeah. end up there by chance. It was closest town and town in quotation marks mm-hmm. was miles and miles away. There's nothing around. So, you know, I ne- I know the person running the ceremony. I know a couple of people in his family. That's about the extent of it. And pretty much everybody was Lakota. And mm-hmm. so I'm feeling, I, I normally don't feel out of place no matter what. Like I never see things in terms of, but still, it was like, it was pretty clear that I wasn't from yes. out there. And mm-hmm. so I was feeling, you know, it was cool, but I was feeling a little strange. Like, you know, you want to be able to belong and you clearly are not from. But within like just a few minutes from um, from when I arrived, it was the day before the ceremony begins. So they are like, they call for all the men to go help out when they cut the tree and then to carry the tree back to the location and replant it. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I go help out and uh, I forget the symbolism why that is, but the tree is not supposed to hit the ground. So you cut it halfway through and then you start pushing it back and forth until it gives. You lean it against another tree, then you slide it, everybody catches it. Okay, so far so good. So cut, 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 start pushing the tree back and forth. The tree gives way faster than I anticipated. Mm -hmm. So the tree falls against the other tree with my hand trapped in between oh, no. so i have this old giant tree crushing my hand so, you know all the guys push i get my hand out and at least one of the fingers look pretty much gone right like yeah. all the skin is gone Gosh. looks like bones are pointing in all sorts of directions that they are not supposed to and so like okay <laughs> So one guy takes off his shirt, wrap it around my finger, and then, you know, one guy takes me back to camp while everybody else still take care of the tree. And I don't feel any pain. You know, I'm walking and I've seen my finger just mangled really badly. I don't feel any pain. I'm just like, what's going on here? You know, something is supposed to... Mm-hmm. And I get back to the camp and there was this older Lakota lady and, you know, telling her what's up. And, uh, and you know, I look like the toughest guy on earth, right? Because I'm all smiles. I have this finger in pieces and I'm all like, because I'm not feeling it. So, mm-hmm. I, And this elderly lady, she goes like, oh, with that tree, that's, that's a very sacred tree. And I'm like, yeah, that's sweet. It's also a very big tree and it was yeah, crashed. So uh, uh, sacredness and all, but there's a limit to it all. But the fact is, there's absolutely nothing around, right? There's no hospital, there's no nothing. So what am I going to do? Drive like hours away Mm -hmm. for like whatever. So, you know, you wrap it up. And at some point I feel moments of pain and then it goes away. Moments of pain goes away. And But of course, this become the perfect icebreaker because everybody's like, hey, what's going on? You're doing (laughs) okay? (laughs) So everybody come talk to me, make me feel very kind of accepted. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, you have a reason to start talking with everybody, right? And for the next few days is is weird because, yeah, I'll have one moment where it turns like a motherfucker Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the time just totally fine, no problem. And it's so swollen that you can't really tell what's going on with it anymore. Like when I unwrap it and rebandage it and stuff, it's just a mess. Like, but at least you know, is you know, once it is infected, yeah, most of the skin is gone. But I can't tell anymore what's underneath. But then when I press, now the bone feels like it's in one piece, and I'm like, I saw it going in at least two different directions. Yeah. And the other people are like, yeah, yeah, saw the same thing. What's going on? No idea why within probably a month 
by the time the swelling was gone down, there was no fracture. The bone was only one piece. Skin regrew. Can't even. I mean, I see it if I really want to. There's a slight, tiny bit of a dark shadow here mm-hmm. where you see it, but hardly see it at all. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that does not fit with my understanding of how the laws of physics are supposed to yes. work, you know. And yes. so I was like, would I do it again? No. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna test it by trying it again. But it was definitely one of those moments where you go like, the universe is a lot weirder than any of us understand, mm-hmm. and some st- sometimes things happen that don't quite make sense according to a purely materialistic view of the world of how mm-hmm. the world is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, that was an interesting introduction to the Sundance. I yes. was like, damn, that's a. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. It's like, to me, the whole Sundance experience, and then that's why I wanted to go time and time again, was so intense, so powerful on so many levels. Pretty much changed my life. Like, I remember at the time, I was thinking of going back to Italy. I wasn't really happy in the US anymore. I was like, fuck this. I've tried it for a couple of years. It's not working. I'm going to go back to Italy. But even in Italy, I had nothing really going on. I'm like, yeah, but that's not a solution either. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to go to have this one big trip during the summer, have fun, and then I'm going to go back and figure it out. Mm-hmm. But after the Sundance, everything that had been going on with my mind, everything that was kind of plaguing me and you know making me feel heavy and in a bad space was gone. And so when I came back, I was like, I'm actually pretty happy right now. I mm-hmm. can, and then I started, you know, started hanging out in the US more and I was like, fuck it, I think I'm going to stay. I think it's, so it really was a turning moment right there where my life could have gone in any direction and it ended up taking the direction it did largely. I mean, I would say, forget largely, primarily because of the Sundance experience. What year was that? uh, That was 94. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that was my, and then I went, I think, for about seven years or so after that, like every summer. And, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's quite a it's hard to explain again it's one of the things that when you see the people peers when you see intellectually it's not like i understood it any better i didn't Mm -hmm. but there's something else where you see it and it's like yeah it makes perfect sense not in a way that i could explain to anybody else but in a raw gut kind of emotional way it's like i completely get it this whereas when i read about it i was like ooh. It's a little bloody and weird, and I don't know what to make of it. Being there, like, everything clicks the right way. Everything is as it's supposed to be here. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's quite something right there. And your story, I mean, just listening to it, it, it I kind of made a revelation um, that there are vortexes, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, very high vibration places um, or yeah, highly vibrational places and definitely out there uh, in South Dakota is one of them um, and basically all the places that I named that I was like those mm-hmm. were the best trips Jamaica New Zealand uh, Machu Picchu up mm-hmm. there like Mauna Kea those are definitely vortexes up there and that's like like you can feel it and yep. people can't explain it yep that's one of the things that trips me out is like when you go certain places and it looks, objectively speaking, it doesn't look, I mean, some look amazing, but some look like any other place. You know, it's like, okay, it's a big mountain with trees. I've seen big mountains with trees. That's cool. But 
so what? Except that these big mountain with trees feel completely different from any other place that I've been that look like this. And there's something there and really you can, I mean, it's our woo and stuff, but really it's energy. You know, mm-hmm. there's certain energy, the same thing with people. You know, some people you walk into a room and you're like, oh, I don't want to go close to that person. Or, oh, damn, there's something about that. I know nothing about the human being, but there's something there that's like, fuck, there's, there's something amazing there. And um, and I find it funny how most people turn themselves off to it. They're like, no, no, unless you know something about the person, how can you say anything about them? Or unless, why would you feel this about it? It's like, you're overcomplicating it. You feel it. It's there. It's That's the energy that's dancing around that person. That's the energy that's dancing around that place. That's mm. what it is. Mana. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can psych yourself out about how, no, only after I know them for three years I can come. But the reality is, no, it's right there. And mm. it's like if a chihuahua can smell you for a minute and either like <laughs> be all happy or just bark at you. Because mm-hmm. why would... Why would we be any less uh, in tune with that than any any mm-hmm. any dog can be? You yeah. know, it's like to me, some of it is a choice. You know, it's like people sometimes over rationalize things, and we close ourselves to some of these experiences that are and just as real as yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just I know I I feel like kind of disconnected a little bit from from that because. Um, one, I ran out of my non-fluoride toothpaste, and so I had to get I had to get Crest. Uh, and two, I haven't been meditating right. as frequently, so that's why I'm actually excited to start my camp because when I'm in camp, I'm like totally on it. So yeah. you meditate on a regular, well, not when now, I'm in but camp, in camp, I yeah. Do. Yes, I do. Anything particular that you do for meditation, or just standard breathing? Um, and... So I have the Headspace app. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I like guided meditation. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's just to start my day off and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as of lately, I kind of have been feeling again, disconnected from that right. higher self and being able to, you know, sense a lot of things. It's the freaking fluoride, man. It's so one thing that I always <laughs> enjoyed was, um, sitting in a place around people where I don't know most of the people and better yet, if there's somebody who knows them so I can get feedback and then just saying what I telling somebody what I'm feeling. It's like, so-and-so, okay, go. What do you read about this person? And of course, you're making shit up because you're not, you don't know that Mm -hmm. there's nothing that you know objectively, but you go with what you feel. You know, you go with something that you, and I don't know what it is that you read some, whether there's body language, whether there's what it is exactly, but just, you know, go. Mm -hmm. It's understood. You don't objectively know it, but what do you think is going on there? And the number of times when it's like dead on to a level that's downright freaky is so high that I've always been like, I remember once it was funny, somebody even showed me a picture where the person wasn't even there. And I look at this guy and he's like, seems like a really nice guy, but he drinks too much and he's got a problem with his mom. And the other guy was like, what the fuck? How do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm making it up. But that's what I look at his face and that's what it's telling me. You know, it's like, it's, and again, people... Oh, some psychic shit. I don't know what the fuck it is. It is what it is. You know, it's like sometimes you can tune into things and mm-hmm. it's how it is. That's life. Mm-hmm. I like doing that on social media. I, I totally judge people on their social media. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
No, I have the... But yeah, there's a line between seeing what's going on and then being overly judgmental. Mm-hmm. is a line that I have crossed more Many than times. once. Yeah. The, yes. It sounds like a fun game, actually. Just going it's totally fun. It's like, what parties. do I pick up yeah, from yeah. this person? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do that next time. Let me know how it works. Yes. <laughs> Switching, you mentioned it earlier, and also you mentioned it a bunch on social media in the past. Um, I'm fascinated with your take on romantic relationships because you've been, let's do this. Yes, okay, Okay, this is what I was waiting for. Let's go play. Yeah, Savannah had mentioned earlier, she's like, oh yeah, I think Danielle wants to talk about relationships. I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, because you you brought it up multiple times in posts, in things where it comes up. And I'm interested because... To me, it's interesting the fact that there's... I've had this conversation with a couple of people that I like a lot. People, I think they are awesome human beings who say they have the hardest time meeting anybody that they really deeply click with in a romantic relationship kind of way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, huh. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because if you are not an ordinary human being, the odds of meeting somebody that you're going to click with perfectly are going to be less, of course, than Mm -hmm. if you are just sort of more run-of-the-mill but I don't know. You go with it. Okay. Do I don't tell. even know where to start, honestly. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess we'll start with, uh, yeah, when I started fighting. Mm-hmm. That was really when I started encountering problems in my mm. personal in my personal life. Um, so when I actually started fighting, it was, uh, I had a very, very serious relationship. Like, we were together for six years. Mm-hmm. We were each other's college sweethearts. Um, we really thought that we were going to get married. Everybody thought we were going to end up together. And uh, we, be, so amongst other things, there was, like, infidelity in the relationship. And uh, But what really drove a wedge between us was when I started fighting, mm-hmm. I he was out in Colorado for his work, and I was still in San Diego trying to finish up my, my master's. And so that was when I started fighting, right when I got into grad school. And so the plan was once I graduated, I was supposed to move out there. Mm-hmm. But I started hesitating. And I think I had a good reason, too. I was like, dude, I'm about to uproot my entire life yep. to go out to Colorado. I don't know anybody out there. Um, I don't have a job out there. I'm going to be living with you. And so what happens if we break up? Like, yep. I don't have shit out there. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not as if we were engaged. I was like, you haven't proposed or anything, so why should I do this? And, too, like, so when I started fighting, you know, I just found something that I really liked to do. Even though it was a hobby, I was like, this is fucking awesome. And, like, Manolo's awesome. My gym's awesome. (laughs) I want to stay here. Yeah. So that's ultimately what, like, drove a wedge between us. So that was a terrible breakup. And that breakup was fucking terrible. Uh, And then... Immediately after that, started seeing someone else, and that was fucking terrible too. It was just like very, is the word implosive, uh, turbulent, um, freaking. It only lasted three months, but yeah, it was a terrible, terrible relationship. But he he supported my fighting career full on. But sure. It, yeah, it was on every weird. other level. Yeah. <laughs> no. Right. And then immediately after that, found another boyfriend. And that boyfriend was my most recent one. And we were off and on for four years. He was also a fighter. And that was also a terrible, we had terrible breakups. 
and I guess you could say fighting kind of broke us up because he ended up banging one of my teammates in my house and I walked in on them. Yeah. Serious? So, yeah. And I'm like, dude, you have your own fucking house. Why didn't you guys go to your house? Why would you bring her here? I'm on gather things. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was, that was, would always be a really fun story to tell. Let's, like, I can yeah. see how that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty funny because I like broke his nose and so there's blood all okay so i instantly broke his nose it was just like one overhand right right so i was really proud because i was also wasted so i'm like fuck i have good aim right yeah but um to the taxi cab yesterday i did i thought it was a joke (laughs) (laughs) you said you told that to the taxi the the lift driver last night i thought you were joking oh that i break guys (laughs) oh no i totally broke his nose yeah um i mean i might as well just tell you guys a story because it's a great story so we had gone out, and this is like my full-on boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Like we're together. He's actually training at. He was training at our gym, right? And um, this was my really, really good girlfriend from the gym who had the reputation for being kind of promiscuous. And people would ask me like, "How are you guys friends?" I'm like, "Dude, as long as she doesn't touch my man, we're good," you know. And she was my fucking really good friend. I would yeah. text her every day, fucking watch her kid for her sometimes. So anyway, she invites us out to go. Uh, watch the fights that night so we go watch we all go out afterwards everybody getting drunk and super wasted and so everybody splits up by the end of the night so but I find my way home and so I come home and I see uh, he needs an alias I don't want to say his name online um okay we'll call him the fuck boy uh fuck boy it <laughs> is fuck boy. <laughs> uh fuck boy walks out of the bathroom and he like he just got out of the shower. He has a towel around right. his waist. So I'm like, hey, babe, I go and kiss him and everything. Right. And all of a sudden, the bathroom door closes and it locks from the inside. And so I'm like, what the hell? Oh, is somebody inside? Yeah. And that's when I hear her voice. And she's like, please don't hate me. And I was like, what okay. the fuck? And that's when I just, boom, I fucking broke his nose. And so he hip tosses me into... Because we were in the hallway. He hip tosses me into my room. So he's on top of me. And he has me in an arm triangle. Right. And I just remember like, like gurgling. Yeah. And there's also shit falling on my face. So I'm like, eh. Like, you know, my eyes are closed. And all of a sudden, like, my roommate walks in. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, like, he gets up and he he walks out. And she's freaking out. It's actually Misha. Uh, yeah, so she's freaking out. So she... Pulls me into the, her bathroom. She's like, oh my God, Alima, he beat the shit out of you. And I look in the mirror and it's like, Carrie, I'm just covered in blood. Right. Um, and so she's totally freaking out. I'm crying and she's cleaning me off. And after, so she gets me, she's like, wait, then where's the blood coming from? <laughs> <laughs> None of it is yours. Yeah, it was all his. Um, so yeah, his, his nose is fucked up. But uh, afterwards, so... Obviously, me and him break up. She and I guess uh, the girl. She actually escaped during the tussle. Mm-hmm. She ran out. Um, but so the, both of them basically got kicked out of the gym. They never showed their faces there again. And me and him broke up. And that motherfucker. We were supposed to go to Peru together. Literally, like the week after. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't go. But um, we ended up getting back together. Uh, wow. like half a year later we didn't talk I we did not talk right. it was a breakup but he ended up getting arrested and his family didn't know anybody down sending except for me so they called sure. me and so I went and bailed him out and then that's how we rekindled our mm-hmm. uh, very tumultuous relationship anyway 
Where was I going with that? So there. So when we like got back together and everything, I was like, okay, wait, but can you just tell me one thing? He's like, yes. I was like, did I answer the phone when you were choking me in the? Like, yeah. did I defend it well? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you were trying to, but I had it really tight, and I heard you gurgling, so I let it go. I'm like, okay, good. At least I can, I can like try to answer the phone. So yeah, that was that relation, or uh, that was that relationship story. Which, um, by the way, that's that shit drives me insane because to me, it's like I understand. You know, people want an open relationship. I get it. Yeah, I understand. Yes. Sure, you can say, okay, monogamy sucks, whatever. It's like I completely understand. But you had a conversation about it. You know what I mean? Yes. There's a mutual agreement. That's a yes. whole different story. If there's a mutual agreement, no problem. Mm-hmm. If there is no mutual agreement and you're a lying motherfucker, then we have a problem. And that's bigger than the sex part is about trust. Yeah. It's like, well, then I can't fucking trust you. Yeah. Then, you know, if you say one thing and do another. Yeah. And the shitty thing, too, was that we were totally um, very, very casual in the beginning mm-hmm. in open relation, Like, basically open. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can see other people. Yeah. We don't care. And he was the one that wanted to become exclusive. Right. He was the one that wanted to be in a yeah, relationship. Yeah. And then he goes and fucks around. So anyway, that was the only annoying part. I was like, bro, we, we had it good in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, what the hell. Yeah. I have a very Yakuza style. My approach is if you give your word about something and you fuck up, there is mm-hmm. no sorry. So, sorry, maybe, is if you Yakuza style, you chop off your mm-hmm. pinky and hand it in a gift wrap. Maybe we can talk about it. Then yeah. you then you mean it, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, fuck you. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, and so too, like when we were working on getting back together and everything, I was like, only if you let me peg you. I'm not sure if you know what peg. <laughs> 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 I was like, you need to let me peg you. <laughs> That's the only way. <laughs> so I'll just let the viewers oh uh, leave it up to their imagination if it happened uh, or not. It's hilarious. <laughs> But yeah, like this guy totally fucked me up um, for four years. Like I did, he's the reason why I had to go see a therapist. Uh-huh. Like, but I'm so so grateful for it all because I'm like I honestly I always say that I don't think I would have been a world champion if it weren't for him fucking me over and me being like, well, fuck you, I'm gonna go fucking right. win a belt, you know? And like, you know, I got a dog as a result of him because he like broke up with me one time and I was all depressed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go fucking adopt a dog, which was like the best decision mm-hmm. ever. Um, even though he told my dog is, oh God, he gives me so much stress, more stress than a boyfriend. Why? Cause he's a little asshole. So I had to send him a boot camp. He like bit a dog at the gym. Uh, yeah. So, but he's good now. Right. <laughs> he, he went to rehab. He's recovered. Um, so yeah, I got a. For I got some a, reason, when you said it, you sent it to boot camp, I picture Jocko willing, yelling at him like, "You're gonna be a good dog from now on. You got to have discipline. You're not gonna bite other dogs." Yeah, I I don't know what they did up there, and I don't even ask. But it worked. Like, Thank you guys for rehabilitating my dog. I still think he was Jocko yelling at him. <laughs> yeah. So I got a dog. I even like got my first new car um you know I, I basically got a house but i'm not saying that like material sure. possessions help to heal a broken heart but it fucking makes it a lot better mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, that's why I'm, I'm just like really grateful for him even though i still think he's a piece of shit sure um yeah i'm super grateful for all of the lessons that he taught me and but yeah I, it's actually funny because this whole relationship especially as a female fighter that's how i met justin mm-hmm. which is really how i met savannah right which is how i ended up here right correct now. that's exactly how it is right 
Um, so yeah, if they're if you, again, listeners are unfamiliar, our dear friend Justin Hamilton, who is also on this podcast, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, he was doing his research on basically female fighters mm-hmm. and and their romantic relationships, and so he was interviewing a bunch of professional female fighters, which included Savannah and I, and that's how um, he connected us. So yeah, his. His research, though, man, I always quote it, too, because I think it's legit. It's like, as heterosexual female fighters, Mm -hmm. we desire a partner who's basically hyper-masculine, someone Mm -hmm. more masculine than ourselves, because every single day we're we're in a male-dominated sport we're surrounded sure. by these fucking sweaty dudes whatever and like we're pretty masculine mm-hmm. broad ass shoulders if you ever seen our bills <laughs> like <laughs> uh so yeah like we need a partner that's hyper masculine and really the only ones who are so would be other fighters or our trainers so i totally get that that uh you know you see a lot of female fighters and eddie bravo my master sensei Eddie Bravo. He also kind of uh, echoed the same the same thing that uh, he's like, look at any female fighter. They're either with their trainer or they're single and they have a dog. Right, <laughs> that's funny. Like, Fuck, that's me. I fucking got a dog. <laughs> okay, so let's play with that concept mm-hmm. a little. I completely get it. The fact that you know, if you are if you are a fighter, physically you're gonna be not the weak, frail woman. You're gonna be strong and tough. Mentally, you're probably gonna be you know, you need to have a degree of ridiculous self-confidence to go in the cage. Uh, doesn't mean you're going to have it in every single aspect of your life, but you still have a degree of intensity that most human beings don't have. Uh, definitely in the way women are raised, definitely most women won't have. Uh, for the matter, most men too, but definitely most women. So I completely get that aspect that, you know, if you operate at a certain level of intensity... It's going to be kind of hard to click with somebody who's not there intensity-wise. The thing that I find tricky, though, is that when it goes from, when we're saying a certain level of intensity to hyper-masculine being defined as, uh, you know, the more stereotypical, you know, big, strong Mm -hmm. dude who can lift a mountain and punch three guys in the head, knocking their head in the third row. Is that the only... Because, for example, okay, let's say, um, I don't know, some guy is not that at all, but he's an awesome musician, which means, you know, maybe they are, you know, in order to become that awesome musician means they need to have something Mm -hmm. in them that not ordinary. That means, does that still qualify? Or does it feel more like, for your take, like you need something that's more sort of the traditional definition of masculinity in that... Or is it yeah. about intensity, however it manifests yeah. itself? I think 25-year-old Elima would have been like, yes, I need the traditional, mm-hmm. stereotypical, masculine. Right. Um, but 29-year-old Elima, I'm like, no. He can totally be alpha mm-hmm. in his own right or mm-hmm. in his own field, whatever. But yeah, like you said, like they have to have that drive or that, that you know, out-of-the-ordinary um, thing to them that that can match my intensity as well of course that's a given yeah i mean but people are like well maybe you should date a a professional athlete outside of your outside of fighting i was like i already did that right my first boyfriend was a fucking nfl football player that didn't work right um so yeah i feel like i've dated pretty much across the board like if you see all of my exes or Mm -hmm. anyone you'll be like yeah you definitely don't have a type 
Um, but I think, yeah, I don't think, I really don't think a fighter would work, honestly. Right. Uh, you just can't have two fighters in the same household. And if you do, then one of them has to be done with their career. Right, you know? so where can, it's like, right, yeah. right. Um, and so, yeah, but I, I yeah, 29-year-old Ilima, you can be, just as long as you have some type of alpha in you mm-hmm. or some type of... Yeah, I mean, you need to have something. Otherwise, yeah. what are we talking about? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you have a puppy. That's cute, but yeah. that's different. <laughs> that's not a relationship where there's mm-hmm. something that clicks. Yeah, that makes sense because I'm thinking that seems to be the... I mean, it's one of the things that you see even a lot, like female MMA fighters who are tough as hell in many, many, many cases end up in situation of spousal abuse where somebody's a complete ass to them, which is like if any woman is going to be able not to deal with that shit would be a female fighter. Mm-hmm. And yet that exactly because of what you're saying of being attracted, wanting the super alpha... The problem with the super alpha guy is that in many cases it goes with a baggage of shit that goes mm-hmm. with it that's not necessarily the healthiest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but at the same time as you say you need to have that something there that spark a fire otherwise is pointless mm-hmm. otherwise again is like yeah you can be my neighbor and we can say hello to each other and be pleasant but that there's nothing there you know, yeah for sure so as far as what we were saying earlier in terms of reading people mm-hmm. how do you feel that when it comes to these things about you know like because you say you know the three relationships you mentioned they have all ended pretty badly mm-hmm. Do you feel that there was something there that you could have read that you missed? Like in hindsight, looking at it later, you're like, Fuck, oh, I should I have seen it all along. Anything. I saw all the red flags okay. very, very clearly. I decided, <laughs> I'm like, diving yes. in anyway. <laughs> That's why I'm like, my spirit animal is a bull because I too <laughs> run headfirst into red flags. <laughs> what was the thought process there? What? Um, thought process was... Okay, maybe thought process is uh, exaggerated, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but... Definitely, okay, so, and I did I did research on this too, you know, I was like, why do I continue, like, yeah. why do I like these dramatic relationships, mm-hmm. blah, 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 and um, it was an addiction, like, your body, you literally become chemically addicted mm-hmm. to this emotional pain mm. and this emotional trauma, because... When you experience, yeah, for example, if you experience some type of emotional trauma, your body releases the chemical uh, or a hormone, basically like your fight or flight response, right? And they're releasing adrenaline. Right. And so that's why, for example, like with my last four-year relationship, we, we would be good. We would be good. And I would purposely fucking go look at old pictures or old text messages and be like, motherfucker, you know, because I... I was addicted to that feeling. Okay. And so, but then, you know, after a while, you just get fucking old. Yeah, Like, I'm 29, and I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing, you know? So, I just got over it after a while, and I I just want the normal, Mm -hmm. settled life. Like, so that's why I totally get when people are a piece of shits in their 20s, and then they they grow up, you know? Right, of course. Yeah, I definitely reached that, um, reached that point where I'm like, all right, I want a nice, boring boring guy <laughs> like boring relationship just staying at home right. and yeah but uh good times though i mean i'm not again i don't regret any sure of sure it sure because it makes you you anyway so it doesn't matter yeah. but it's uh yeah it's funny because i i think about like my life i've always had uh not quite as uh, I didn't break anybody's nose and mm. I didn't quite end I think quite as rough as for you but definitely 
not relaxing relationships you know where they mm-hmm. were always like really intense but so much drama and i would just play a lot like the i'm gonna bend in 72 ways to try to adjust to the drama and make it work and make mm-hmm. it and after a while yeah it just got fucking old <laughs> yeah. it's like you know what no <laughs> i'm done <laughs> i don't want to do that anymore like if, i have sciatica now yeah, it's like that's someone who will poke my yeah <laughs> Yeah, there was a moment there where I really thought like, okay, I think I'm done. I don't think I want any relationship because there was a point where I'm like, in my mind, that's what relationships are. So I don't want that anymore. So I guess no relationships, you know, it's like, I want to be 100% me. I'm not going to be an asshole, you know, I'm going to be nice as much as I can and be as as kind as I can, but I don't want to modify who I am to fit in something, you Mm -hmm. know, I don't want to start censoring myself or I have to think about what I'm going to say, I have to think about, you know, like, I don't want to do it anymore. And I understand that people, in order to make it work, sometimes you have to do it, so I guess not, bye, you know, that was, and that's funny because like, with Sav, like, when I'm, like, I, I knew her for about a year before we got together and we were just not even the random thought of anything, right? We just hang out as friends and it was just so relaxing, so pleasant in a way that was just like, man, everything clicks well and I don't have to do... If I'm in one mood, we click. If I'm in a different mood, we still click. If I'm in a complete... Like, I don't have to do anything and Mm -hmm. everything clicks. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh shit, I like this. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of where I started started dawning on me where I was like I would be thinking, "Oh man, I want to travel to this place with Savannah." Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to or you know, I would be hanging out with people where it's like, "Oh, you want to do something?" And I almost do it out of duty like, "I mean, you're a nice person, we'll hang out, but I would rather stay home by myself and mind my mm-hmm. business." And then every time I would think we would hang out, I'd be like yes and i'm like oh okay i'm getting now i've seen a pattern here what's going and i think it was because everything clicks so damn easy i don't know i don't know how to manufacture you know like if i didn't meet her how the hell would i go about it i don't know Mm -hmm. i'm not sure because it's not that you can manufacture it you know that you can say uh it sort of falls into your lap or it doesn't to some degree because it's not that you can force i mean the whole point is that it's not supposed to be forced if Mm -hmm. it's forced it's not gonna work that well but that raises the question of how the hell do you do it when if you are a less than ordinary human being how are you gonna run into you know, it's not that there's the app that you say, oh, I'm just going to date a lot. And sad. it's like... There is, though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, there is that app, but but not the app that tells you, okay, um, awesome human beings with which you're going to perfectly there is, click. Uh, there is. There is tell. an app for verified people. Do you know what verified no, is? What's so the... on Instagram, you get oh, like a I see, I see, I see. Okay. check mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's an app with that that okay. I signed up for, but I haven't gone on it. Like, I I'm see. just like... Keeping it on the side, right? Yeah. Yeah, dating fucking sucks, actually. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially, uh, I guess somebody in my position. Ooh, squirrel. Yes, oh. Azog <laughs> is going to tell the squirrels that they are asshole as he does like 25 times a day. Yeah. But it was funny, like how you were just describing you and Sav's relationship mm-hmm. and everything. Like, I totally found a guy like that. Um, and we spend a lot of time together. Um, and. We slept in the same bed together. We met each other's families. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Always relaxed when I'm with him. We love each other. Fucking didn't touch me 
We slept in the same fucking bed for a week. And you're like, that's Did nice and dope. Did not touch me. I was like... At some point. Huh. Okay, so I guess we're platonic as fuck then. Right. <laughs> like, it's still awesome, you know, but I'm just like... Hmm. Yeah, I, I think he's just not into me. <laughs> so like, god damn it, it almost... It was just so good. To, it was too good to be true. That's worth exploring, though, because it's <laughs> yeah. like, obviously he enjoys your company. So sad so thing like, is... I guess you just not don't want the physical side of anything. <laughs> I think that's worth a conversation. Oh, we've totally had. Oh, you had a conversation. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, "No, like we're such good friends. I don't want to ruin. The, I know it's going to ruin the relationship." I'm just like, "Bro, you can tell me if I'm not. If you're just right, not right. into it. Like, I see the girls you date. Yeah. You like basic white girls. Like, oh, I see. I'm I'm not a basic right, white girl. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. But I always thought that story was so funny. Like, full on took him to Hawaii with me, and right. my family. Um, but yeah, we didn't touch each other. I was like. Even my dad was like, what? What the hell is going on? Right, of course. <laughs> she gay? Right. Well, which is, of course. It's just really nice. I don't know. <laughs> I, I still, there's something I don't buy in that one. Not that you are saying anything that's not true, but there's something in that dynamic that I think is, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. There's something missing in that story. Well, I asked him if he would be willing to be my sperm donor because I'm going to freeze my eggs next right. year. Um, and so I think he agreed Okay. Yeah, and it was actually I'm not gonna say this, but I'll tell you after this next. Okay, part. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, Deal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I know he's definitely gonna be. It's funny. He's the one I actually call for all my emotional needs mm-hmm. and everything. So he actually gets the shitty end of the stick. Right, he's exactly. like the boyfriend that has to deal with all the bullshit. Right, and right, like, right, right. You know, I'm like, I need help moving this. <laughs> you know, come over. That's funny. But That's like, sweet. But you don't get to enjoy any of the physical yeah. benefits of having a girl. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we have Sweet, a very though. But... Interesting relationship. Yeah. I love that guy. But yeah, so you think he's, uh, his taste, that's where it's at? That it's a I complete. Think so. That's what. Yeah, yeah. Did he tell you? No. Okay. But I want him to. I'm like, dude, you can admit it. Yeah. I've I would, seen the girls you dated. I would corner him and get an answer because <laughs> yeah. I kind of. I don't know. I'm not sure. Interesting. But mm-hmm. yes, let's corner the poor guy. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But yeah, I think it's like, that's what makes it tricky. Because if you are, you know, if you are a pleasant, nice, whatever, but more ordinary human beings, there are pleasant, well, there are not that many, but there are still enough pleasant, nice, ordinary human beings out there. It's not as hard to click. If you are a weird clusterfuck of 22,000 different energies and they are all weird in their own way and you are this person that doesn't neatly fit into any one box... To find somebody that's going to click with you in all these different ways, or at least not all of them, but at least a good chunk and be mellow enough to float with the rest. Yeah, that's fucking hard. Mm-hmm. That's not a... And I think I think that's the running joke with Sav is that like in my life, I remember since I was man, a teenager, probably I was saying, knowing how I am and how weird of a person I am and knowing that for me to like somebody, they need to have some weirdness there that I'm like I'm as weird as I am I like one person every about 10,000 I meet how in the fuck am I gonna meet anybody that I'm gonna (laughs) click with my standard line was yes there was that and then I was like yeah where am I gonna meet them across the street when I meet Savannah she lives literally across the street (laughs) from me right and so there was a moment there where I was like 
the universe is a funny sense of humor here because this mm-hmm. is just like come on what are the odds of that that's yeah. uh that's proof that we live in the matrix and somebody's just fucking with me just to play it because it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. but oh yeah i know when i find you know my partner or whatever it's gonna be one of those like what the fuck how did yeah. that work right yeah, yeah. yeah so that's why i'm not worried and like i finally like <laughs> i always say to i'm like oh guys just can't handle like a successful woman mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, actually, Elima, I think it is you. I think you just have, like, maybe a terrible personality when you're a girlfriend. <laughs> or maybe you're in just really shitty in relationships. Um, I feel like I like to emasculate guys. Um, why? Why do I like to do yeah. that? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, why not? <laughs> no, no, I'm missing something in this. Well, okay, so I, I think that I choose these guys who think that they're alpha and then you tear them and apart then I fucking tear them down yeah because i'm like you're not that fucking alpha I'm it, it, it's entertaining alpha. but still why i mean if that's what you're gonna do why do you choose that you know yeah yeah so again this is like 25 year old Elima. yeah like, yeah yeah right and, and i was like telling sav earlier i'm like or maybe i was telling you i was like yeah i don't i can't i don't think i can date a smart guy because then i can't manipulate him maybe it really is you <laughs> yeah, i would consider that possibility yeah, <laughs> yes yeah. but uh yeah again that was all 25 year old Elima. i think 29 year old i'm like whole different story I, I'll, I'll i need to find an equal right you know, actually be nice to each other and know his love language. What's your love language, by the way? Do tell. What do you mean? What? The five love languages? I don't fucking know. <laughs> tell me the five love languages. Not just the five love languages. Okay, so there's a test. Uh, the five love languages. Uh, physical touch is one. Quality time. Acts of service. Uh, so, you know, like fucking changing the oil in the car. Sure. Doing chores, whatever. Sure. Like Cooking dinner for them. Uh, gifts. Mm-hmm. And then words of affirmation. So, so for example, so mine is is one hundred percent physical touch and quality time. I'm very like very touch mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Um. So we could be in a huge fight, and I don't need you to like talk to me about. It. I just if you come and embrace yeah. me, then I'm like <sighs> okay. Right. Um. My ex was words of affirmation. Which I could not do. I'm not like a, right. And actually, one of the girls that he that he ended up developing a relationship with and like cheating on me with, she was very, very words of affirmation. Right. Like you're amazing, you're incredible, and I could never do that. Yeah. So I'm like, they're fucking way more compatible than me mm-hmm. and him were. So anyway, that's the five love languages, and I'm totally, I swear by it. You're a couple of those. You're big into the other three, less so. Yeah, what's up. like right. I don't, I don't care for access services because I feel like I'm like I can do that myself. I don't need your right. help. Um, yeah. Gifts, I've never been. Yeah, really no, into. I'm. I see your point on those two. Yeah, so, I mean it's nice once in a while, kind of like yeah. you know, it's nice to show it in a different way. Yeah. But yes, that's the. What would be your things of? What do you think? Well, you have to take the test, though. Oh, okay, okay, There's okay. Test, so they'll ask you a bunch of questions. So we can have our guesses on what it mm-hmm. is, but then we have to... Okay, mm-hmm. got it, got well, it, got what would it. You, what would you guess would be each other's and yours? Uh, I think I think I'm very physical as well. Mm-hmm. Physical, what were the other ones? Uh, quality time? Yeah. I think physical. I think it's very similar to you. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I'm down with those two. I definitely add the verbal part too. So I think verbal. like, so but at the same time, the first two make perfect yeah. sense, right? Of course. Yeah, but I think like, yeah, I think I'm probably heavy on three out of five. Okay. Those yeah. three make sense to me. I agree. The gift after service, I don't give a fuck. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's nice once in a while, but it's yeah. not, not something that I think about that much. Yeah. So I, I always ask people that like, okay, what's your love language and mm. what's your zodiac sign? For me, Capricorn. Capricorn. Hard-headed bastard. Ca- you're a cancer too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I fucking... Cancers and Scorpios, totally incompatible. That's yeah. what all of my exes were, Cancers or Scorpios. Mm-hmm. I'm an Aries. Right. So it's just... I need to find um, a, a hard-headed bastard too. Fucking, yeah. yeah. So I need a Leo, another Aries, or Sagittarius. Like, those are my... That's what you click with more? If it's a funny guy how says cancer, I'm like, oh, sorry. We're done. No. Bye. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, based on everything you're saying, it makes sense. Yes. It totally <laughs> makes sense. And that's one thing that's freaky because people are like, ah, what kind of astrological bullshit are you talking about? Then you're like, who have you been dating? And you go down the list that is mm-hmm. like, you don't see a pattern near of who. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. there is something going on there. Mm-hmm. Trippy, fun yeah. stuff. So what's your next adventure? What's coming up? Camp. Oh. for my fight I can tell how excited <laughs> you are I can sense in your voice so. yeah that, that should be fun um, but I am supposed to go back to Hawaii to do a press tour which is always fun I actually love love that mm-hmm. and it, there's going to be a baby luau while I'm home one of my, um, my niece has her first birthday and those are fucking ragers if you've ever have you ever been okay so you know how there's like Sundance ceremony have mm-hmm. you ever been to a baby luau in Hawaii with a Hawaiian family. We need to, need to I, I guess we'll need that. to fix yes. that. In fact, you guys should come to my fight if you can in um, December because we, we throw a luau afterwards. Sweet. Yes. There's nothing like a like that. luau. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that. Yep. But um, yeah, like you said earlier, I love traveling after each mm-hmm. fight. And I actually started a tradition where I spend New Year's in a different country. Mm-hmm. So... My first place was Japan. I went to the Ryzen New Year's Eve show, which was incredible. Um, And then the next year after that was New Zealand. Then I did Cuba this past year. Um, So I actually haven't decided what country to go to yet for New Year's. That's coming up soon. Any suggestions? Well, you have been, Jesus, you have been all over the place. Two of the the places that I want to see the most are Thailand and Japan, and you've been to both already. So that's the... You ever been to Italy? No. Italy's fun. But would Italy be something that I should, some place I would go to with a partner or I could do myself? You can do it yourself. It's, only thing is New Year is cold. Uh, so okay. That's right. I don't know. Maybe different season. Mm-hmm. Spring, early fall. Awesome. I want to go when you guys go. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. That'll be fun. When is that going to uh, be? Usually, usually we go in summer. Every year? Yeah. yeah. Usually that's the plan. But yeah, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. That would be so... Yeah, because, it's you know, it's... Growing up in Italy, I took a lot of things for granted. And then, like, when she started coming with me to Italy, then I would... There were places that I would want to check out that otherwise I wouldn't have checked mm-hmm. out. And I was like, fuck, this is a beautiful place. Yes. This is way better than I remember uh-huh. it. Because I kind of got to see it through her eyes. And I was like, oh, 
this is awesome. I can't wait. Well, I'm going to be third. So uh, let's do summer. that. <laughs> Deal. Let's do that. That sounds mm-hmm. like, yeah, Italy is now, whereas it, when you ask me, like when I left Italy, I would have been like, fuck Italy. Why? I mean, yeah, there are a couple of cool things, but whatever, not a big deal. Now I like it a lot. Yeah. Now when I go back, I'm like, I don't know that I would live there in terms of if you have to work, that's a pain in the ass, but if you can just visit or retire, oh, mm-hmm. it's as good as it's going to get. Mm-hmm. And the food, oh my God. I can. Uh, um, I definitely have to go like right after a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you can just and, go like yeah, bring on twenty-two servings of that mm-hmm. thing because that's yeah. I've uh, in Italy with this summer I was just pigging out like there was no tomorrow. I had if fact, okay, when I come back, start cutting down because. Mm-hmm. But uh, also the the quality of food out there is so different. Like I yeah. had some uh, trips out there where I've eaten. A shit ton but i come back and i haven't gained anything just mm. yeah food quality is so, mm-hmm. so much better just where you go for like your third ice cream of the day you're like gelato again yeah, it's yeah. like that's but what also you're walking around that's true yeah, that's true like crashing so, bikes or yeah. Or so. <laughs> oh yeah savannah specialty oh. <laughs> the savannah special <laughs> oh that was terrible poor sam <laughs> I think Justin was the one that told me what happened. It's like, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't surprised. <laughs> yeah, we were going uh, onto the beach and she hit a sand patch and was like, of course. Yes, let's do that. Well, thank you, Lima, thank so, you so much. much. This Mahalo. was fun. Or is it gra- grazie? Yeah, grazie. grazie. You got it. Well, the funky music means one thing, and that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. What a fantastic interview. I What a lovely lady. I love Ilima. Ilima is awesome. So I, Too uh, pretty for be, be beating people up. She's uh, intense as it gets. She's sweet. She's wild. And I don't know. Ilima fascinates me. I find her like... And, you know, ever since Savannah met her, even before they met her, when I saw Ilima's career, I was like, hey, Sav, I think you're going to really dig training with her. Try to find a way to train with her because I think you guys will hit it off. And, and they did, right? They sure did. They yeah. got they along great. A lot in common. Yeah. So good stuff. Even though their personality is so different, but they... No, they are awesome. Uh, let's give a quick thanks to the folks who donated to the show, which Ooh. is always a sweet thing. Awesome. Um, they're actually, because it has been a while since we released that episode, we skip one of our regular bi-weekly ones. This has been a month since the last time. We actually have had a few people donating twice already. Those are, I hope there's a special spot in heaven for you guys. I'm sure there is. Let the pottering begin. Lisa Robles with the double donation, also with the double, Pat Hartman, Andre Garapetian, and Aistis Juska. Those are the double deal folks. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We also got, in the single deal, we have Nicola Togni, Samuele Rudelli, Jim D'Amico, Matt Chebre, Jesse Ratangan... Jesse, as usual, I fucked it up. That's a great one. Jesse Rantakangas. Yanni uh, Linima, Aaron Weisner, Christopher Parcel, Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, Louis Pesquera, Thomas Robinson, Ross Cranham, and Kevin Kilbride. Thank you so much, everybody. Yeah, you guys are so sweet. 
is um, deeply, deeply appreciated. So any of you guys want to join the sweet folks in supporting the episode, we really appreciate it. You know, with it getting to be the holiday season, yep. if you want to piss off that young niece or nephew, nothing will do it better than a Kiva gift card. Now, they might be upset at first, but the deal is you lend, you pick a person to help out, and they pay you back, and then hopefully you lend again. If the, hungry, if, the, if the upset nephew or niece uh, doesn't want to lend again, they can pull their money out. But I can't recommend it enough. It's a nice little thing to kind of give a kid an idea that maybe someone else's life uh, could be improved a little bit by your help. So, And we're approaching $150,000 in loans from awesome. uh, your fellow listeners. That's only like 209 people have put that together over the past four years. That's amazing. We invite you to join us. Come to Kiva.org. You can order the cards there. You could do a donation. Not a donation. Excuse me. You could put a loan out yourself. $25 gets you started. Pick a person from anywhere in the world, including the United States. Help them out in a small way. Money comes back between six months and two years, a little bit at a time. Loan it again if you can. And it's just fantastic. And it just this thing continues to grow. And like we're on pace to be at a quarter million dollars Crazy. in 2021. I dig it. That's awesome. I dig it too. Um, <laughs> for the supporting the show kind of gig, if you guys shop on Amazon, you know, holidays coming up, if you can use our Amazon link, you would be infinitely appreciated. And, uh, you know, we said all our thank you at the open, but let's do a quick one saying thank you to the nice people supporting us, specifically Blue Chew, who has been supporting one episode a month for the entire year. Uh, and again, for all of these things, there are links in the episode notes at thedrunkentowers.com with, you know, promo codes and websites where you can get their stuff. Onnit.com, grasslandbeef.com, of course, Shore Design, and then shoutouts to snowroast.com, nevertapgear, and cbdadapt.com. And of course, thanks to Daisy House for the awesome theme song. We sure appreciate it. I think in light of that, it's time to wish you guys a wonderful day. And we shall touch base on the next one. Au revoir. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs>
This was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs> So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. Well, <coughs> we'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's maybe too powerful. <laughs> What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Wow!